Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what we don't like, and why. This special episode is about the best sketches of 2021. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we're going to be discussing at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me as co-host today are Elizabeth E.K. Kemp and Seth Alcorn. I'm Isaiah Hedden, and today we are happy to have as a special guest, Mike Bach. Mike, thank you for coming on the show today. This is your second episode. How are you doing? Yes, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. I'm so excited to talk about these sketches. So what makes you a sketch expert? <laughs> um, well, I've been doing sketch comedy in D.C. since 2016. Um, formerly uh, affiliated with Dear Friends of uh, Dojo Comedy. I'm still working with them. Um, also Comedy Potluck, a local uh, alt comedy open mic um, that is now based out of the Artemis um, in D.C. And um, collaborated with uh, sketch groups like uh, Break Penguin and Homeless Fire Party. And um, that's it. Wow, that's great. Uh, Mike, I've seen you before a number of times. Uh, you have a really great stage, stage presence and your actually your video work too. You do, uh, I, I don't know what to call them, but you, your clown sketch that you did uh, with the garage, the art cell. Oh yeah. I, I love that sketch. I, I love that stuff. So, you know, your stage stuff is great, but I really like your video work and I hope you keep making more of those. Um, you know, it's, it's simple, it's straightforward, it's clean, and it's just, it's just smart, smart stuff. Thank you very much. All right, let's get into the sketches. Now, here's the, the disclaimer breakdown. This, this is clearly, um, there's some bias put into this, and this is just our opinion, our loose opinion, collected data from friends, articles that I read online, um, filtered through a really bad voting system. And so, in reality, are these the best sketches from 2021? Probably not. You probably would have your own list that's even better than this, but this is our list. This is what we're gonna do for the show. Um, I hope some of these you've seen, I hope some of these you haven't seen and that we will together broaden our, our vision together. A fan of the show reached out and asked if we were gonna do this, um, this recording, because we, we did a 2020 show, best of 2020 last year. And they're like, oh, you're gonna do one for this year? And I was like, I wasn't thinking about it, but since you mentioned it, maybe we should. And this is the show. So thank you for pushing us on that. And we're gonna go in order from 10 to one. They're, can I can I change my my moment? I would like to change my moment to the fact that we have a fan who's invested enough to ask us to do something. I was going to say that's my well, highlight. Is this real or are you just saying that? No, it's real to make it sound like oh wow. No, okay. I have no idea who this person is. They reached out to us. Is oh, you Twitter and Instagram? Know the Instagram. Huh? Yeah. Wow. wow. I was like, hey, where's your list? <laughs> I was like, like I don't know. Oh, okay, shoot. I guess I guess we need to do this. Wow. Thank so, you, anonymous sketch nerd. Yes, thank you, sketch nerds. If you reach out to us, we will respond and we will bring it up on the show. So please reach <laughs> so out. Don't, don't yes. make Bad it Medicine DC <laughs> everywhere. That's their handle. Bad Medicine DC. One word. No dick pics. Don't reach out with dick pics. No, don't. Please don't. He sent me a dick pic. <laughs> Send all dick pics to Mike Bach. Care of Mike Bach. Comedypotluck.com. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. EK, you're starting us off. 
Okay, starting off the list at number 10 is Cheap Wine spent Valentine's Day alone and didn't think about Dick once. Features a sketch about two women getting together after the Valentine's Day holiday uh, and comparing stories about how they spent their time. Needless to say, it all goes hilariously wrong. Uh, the sketch won first place audience award and first place judges award at the Toronto Sketch Comedy Summer Competition. It also won first place at the Great Canadian Comedy Film Festival. Cheap Wine is a Canadian sketch troupe composed of Jack Cregan, Charlotte Cregan, and Jessica McQueen. I think it's Cregan. It might not be. If it's not, I'm very sorry. Cregan might be the other Cregan. The alternative. Yeah, but who knows? Yeah. Cregan, Cregan, yeah. I do think it's fun, though. It's a good excuse to go out, get dressed up. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that for you, but I guess it's just like, if this was little women, like, I would be Joe. Does that make sense? Yeah, you, well, like, in this specific Joe's context. Joe's the one who's not, like, pathetically just, like, obsessed uh, with men. Um, well. I feel like you would be, like, Mommy Marmy. Uh, well, I love Laura Dern. Yeah, she's like the older character who kind of just like sits at home all day, like waiting for her husband all the time. So what sketch? So what about the sketch stood out to you? Uh, well, I mean, I think this is a conversation that's all immediately familiar to a lot of people. You know, it's it's definitely a polarizing holiday where you are kind of like put on the spot as to like how how you are going about acknowledging it or not acknowledging it. And there are all those kind of cliches around it being the corporate holiday. And, you know, it's, it's so immediately you're, you're put in a setting where it's a familiar conversation and you're, but you know, if you're willing to give it the time to build, you know, it's going somewhere and kind of going to the next level. And so I think by the time you get to, there was a place where the sketch could have ended and it, and it might not have been, it might not have felt like something that was really fresh but then I think they go to kind of the part two of the sketch where it just, the kind of dynamic between the two characters completely shifts. And the woman who kind of is asserting herself as being kind of empowered in the whole situation, just her, uh, what, what are you, I'm blanking on the word now because I don't have them. It's the, the voice box in your home. Alexa, Alexa. Alexa. Uh, <laughs> the voice box in your home. <laughs> The place where the voice comes out and the music. It's the robot that does things for you. Not the TV, the other one. Um, no, so her her Alexa betrays her, and and it's just this like aggressively <laughs> aggressively long list of things that just kind of. Anyway, I, I think what's appealing about it and what really resonated with me is that it just it just hits on every single kind of raw nerve and and fear that I think we all have about Valentine's Day and just dying alone or dying with a boring partner in general. Like it just checks all those boxes. Yeah. I think the podcast joke is really where it, it, it's, it's spikes for me where, you know, she, she makes a comment. Like, I don't listen to music anymore. Uh, I just mostly listen to podcasts. And then it's like, it immediately goes into lonely podcasts. And I only listen to it once. You listen to this 12 times in a row. And then you asked me to change my voice. And it was just like, it just started stacking. Because yep. the, the evidence against her and how she feels about Valentine's Day immediately started stacking with this, with her voice box. 
uh, Alexa. And it just joke after joke after joke. And I just loved how it just started climbing at a rate where you're like, whoa, whoa, well, this is picking up speed. This is great. Yeah, almost, I just love the almost, energy at that moment. It almost feels like the, like if you were to kind of visualize the sketch and like the joke, the joke count, it almost looks like an exponential curve or something where like, it's sort of a slow build, but man, when it, like when it breaks, it breaks and then it just goes. Yeah. Right. It's one yeah. of my, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, I agree with that. I, I thought, I thought the payoff was, was worth it but at the time for like i want to say about the first two minutes i was like okay this is you know we could tell that the you know the lady doth protest too much and that's fine but where is this going and then they brought in alexa and it was great yeah but that's that's a testament to kind of that that patience right and because a lot you'd, you'd see a lot of sketches where they would stop at after that first part seemingly concluded Right. But the fact that they kept it going and you see that like massive just escalation of the joke count is I mean, it's there is not a single lost opportunity or moment to get a joke in there. And that and especially in the second half, it's, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. It all uh, starts from, you know, one of my favorite comedic devices of um, getting caught in a lie that you didn't have to tell in the first place. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I. I'm going to go ahead and mention this. Uh, I feel the need to mention this. There, the the Alexa jokes did, in fact, at one point go to a place that I was not expecting, and I was sort of simultaneously delighted and horrified by. Uh, and I think we all know what I'm talking about. Uh, that was it was the run on cum jokes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was like, I was cum scented candle, fake cum, real cum. I'm like, oh my, oh, okay, yes, no, this is funny, but oh, uh, all right, fine. That she's got a very specific fetish. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was the right excla- it was right, it was the right point to go to. Right. But I want to say, what did they have? Like ten different riffs on 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 cum, something like that. There were ten different things she 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 searched for because they just that was one of the things is that. Uh, one of the really great things about it is that we're talking about Alexa, you know, spouting off these lists and fully dropping the dime on her, the person. I hesitate to say owner. That just sounds weird, but you know, uh, but there were I mean, like, Alexa is a consumer good. So I think uh, you can say it's an owner. Okay. Uh, it's just weird to say that about something that talks to you. Anyway, that's how the robots win. Seth is that kind of mentality. EK, have you, seen the state, robots yet. have you seen the state of the world? I'm willing to let robots give it a shot at this point. I mean, they can't do any worse than we've been doing. Uh, but yeah, just the, not, not only that specific, that specific, I guess, joke theme, but they'd run on like 10 things and it would get increasingly, they would raise the stakes every new iteration that they listed, which I thought was just really great. Yeah. It wasn't just a list. It was a list with a purpose. Yeah. An escalating list, if you will. Yeah. yeah and I also think uh, they did a really good job selling that uncomfortability while the oh, list. Yeah. I think the acting was great in this sketch. Um, yeah. I was, I was really uncomfortable with them. <laughs> I, I was going to say that I actually also liked sort of the, the penultimate beat where the woman who was not being embarrassed by her Alexa was like, here's some new age white woman stuff you could try. And then her friend just dumps what's supposed to be tea on her, which I thought was, I thought was classic. I, I think it's, it's sort of, it was, 
if they if they'd done a little bit more with that aspect of it, it'd be interesting to sort of compare and contrast with the the Bo Burnham sketch we have coming up later on. But there was there was definitely that feel of like these are these are two white women who are probably on Instagram and have a lot of thumbs ups about um, coffee. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. But yes. All right, let's move on. Mike, you're up. Yeah, so uh, coming in at number nine of this unranked list uh, is uh, Joe Bell's. Are beer brands getting too cold? Um, the tagline here is tired of reaching for your sweater. Better make it a Sheffy's, the beer for those who like something a little warmer. Um, this is a fun sketch by Joe Bell. He's a comedy guy slash writer slash animator uh, based out of Philadelphia. He's written and animated cartoons for Comedy Central as part of Saturday morning-ish cartoons. Um, so this sketch is a lot of fun. It starts off like sort of an awkward, sweaty beer commercial um, where it's guys at a bar and they're hanging out and um, they have a specific complaint of um, beer is sometimes too cold and they want one that's warm. And then about a third of the way through, uh, you get the big twist, which is uh, super meta. They realize uh, he realizes he's in a commercial or doesn't realize it. Um, and he gets pulled out of this commercial mode that we've been seeing for the first like third of the sketch. And um, no one else seems to be aware that uh, the commercial was happening. And uh, it's, it's very uh, unsettling and surprising and funny. Guys, got you some beers. Oh, hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, do you guys remember when we first got here, the beer I got that doesn't get too cold, with a little straw hat on it? Yeah, we've been drinking cold ones all night. No, no, no. No, we were not. When I, we first got here, I asked for a beer that doesn't get too cold, and the bartender knew exactly what I was talking about. And there was someone else with, like, a big booming voice who was, like, explaining everything. Seth, what do you like about that sketch? Uh, I like the absurdity of it. I I love the fact that we start with, with, as Mike was saying, we start with the guy in the beer commercial and then he gets pulled out of it and he keeps trying to find his way back to the beer commercial reality for a beer that does not exist. And and then uh, I also like that they sort of heighten that at the end when they're watching basically the space shuttle launch and one of the guys in the bar... Uh, it turns out that one of the astronauts is his son and everybody starts clapping and cheering. And I'm like, this feels like we're going to jump off into another commercial for something where they do a little heartwarming thing. And then it's like Hallmark cards or AT&T or always stay in touch or something like that. But before we get there, the last thing we see is a man dressed like the Sheffy's bottles, holding a Sheffy's, waving at our protagonist, which was it, it was. I do enjoy the joke turn on the nightmarish can't tell what's reality thing. And I thought this one was done really well. Yeah. Is it so I think, you know, at the end, is it real? Was was he in like, is that a real guy or is it all in his head? Like, oh, I think he had a psychotic break. <laughs> that's my that's my opinion is that this guy just like made himself and or made himself a reality where he was in a beer commercial and everything was great. And then he got snapped out of that real quick. And then he's got lingering hallucinations. That's my that's my theory. Mike, um, is beer too cold? It's too cold for that guy for some reason. Yeah, I like how they never really I mean, like beer, it doesn't get below freezing. I don't know why he would want it that cold, but 
it's it's a funny little specific that's like dumb but it's also not really the main focus of this sketch so it's a nice little aside um i, I kind of want a chefies now just to see what's up yeah uh, if, if you want warm beer just go to uh, just go to the uk <laughs> apparently they love their beer warm over there that is true this sketch was sent to us suggested by to us by a lot of our Philly Sketchfest friends, even uh, Joe Moore was in this featured in the sketch. He's the bearded guy in the beginning, so it was just you know it just kept coming up often, and often. But I, I definitely love the turn. I think for me, I was like, okay, this is a parody, and then it turns, and it's like, oh snap, what's what's going on here? And then it kind of leans into that uh, Tim Robinson vibe, where you're just the odd man out, and you're just not giving up your position. And it just gets awkward and awkward and awkward. And I love that. I love that twist. Yeah. I just love how sweaty he looks the whole time. <laughs> like he's like the condensation on the warm beer is like manifested <laughs> in his appearance. First times can be awkward for everything, including comedy. So why not look back at a comedy writer's first attempt at making an audience laugh? From Philly Sketchfest, have a listen to My First Sketch, the podcast introducing you to sketch comedians from around the world, starting with their first sketch. Hosted by me, Josh Hyam, we'll explore how a writer got started, what shaped their sense of humor, and where they go from here. Check out My First Sketch at myfirstsketch.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Number eight, Seth. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, 180 seconds, a man travels six months into the past to warn himself not to get fat during the pandemic shutdown, written, produced, directed, and starring Perry Strong. Now, there's a, a quote from him, which I will I will read here. It's lengthy, so hold on. How do you make a COVID-safe short film where everyone is observing the quarantine? You make a film where you write, direct, and stars the two characters in the film. My goal as a director and stand-up comedian will always be to entertain. This time, I wanted to let people know how I personally feel about everything going George Floyd Trump stimulus. I personally hit a break point with what I was seeing in the news as a black man in America. I wrote 180 seconds in a day and shot it in two. I was lucky to get my two closest friends, the director of photography in LA and the editor in Atlanta to also help me produce this project. The DP walked me through the lighting setups. I had one friend do a run through of the lines with me. Then I did the additional shooting in a room by myself, talking to no one. Once that was done, I sent the footage to the editor in Atlanta, and that began a two-week back and forth of sending project files and cutting 20 minutes down to four. So here we are. People that have worked in this film are in New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Seattle, and San Francisco. I believe this is the future of filmmaking, and I hope that this film is a good example of what can be done with many individuals working together, even being separated by great distances. Uh, Perry Strong has earned roles in episodes of Hightown, which is on Stars, and Hunters, which is on Amazon Prime. I, I must say that I'm familiar with neither of those shows, but uh, maybe I'll look up Hunters. Listen, man, don't freak out. I'm you six months from now. I got about 180 seconds to tell you what's going on. 180 seconds. 180 seconds. And listen, before you ask, motherfucker, look, Trump does not get assassinated. Pence doesn't come out of the closet. And I can't give you the fucking lotto numbers. I look like you in six months? Stop eating pancakes when you get depressed. Do you see this? Look at this. Look at this. What are you, you doing? You were able to time travel. And you came back in time to tell me mm. not to get fat? So 
first of all, I want to say that his production value is great for something that he, oh, yeah. 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 But it's it's also, we've seen this premise before. We talked about a sketch where a woman came back to talk to herself. I think it was something like uh, a woman from April of 2020 went back to talk to her January self or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I this still was some of the jokes from that one, by the way. That was a good. Oh, those walks are going to be clutch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one was uh, a little bit had a little bit of a sharper polit- uh, political focus. Also, I mean, it's seen through a different lens. The sketch we were uh, just talking about was a white woman. And this one, of course, Perry Strong's a black man. So you get two different views of the same sort of thing. Um, I also like this. Uh, this one, there was only one beat that felt a little weird to me. And that of course is, I, I mean, might be due to difference in filter and outlook and all that stuff. But um, it was, it was also fun to see him come back. And then the two versions of him just start insulting each other. Yeah. Uh, and, and then of course there was <laughs> the, the bit where future him is like, I haven't touched anyone in so long, man. And there's this implication that he's gonna, he's gonna give him a handy. And it's just, uh, anyway, it was, I, I really enjoyed this and it is a, exactly 180 seconds. That's great. EK, uh, what's it out to you? I'm, I'm in line with, with Seth here. I loved, I loved the shift at one point where it, where it does just become more comedy and levity. And it is that interaction about like not having touched anyone or interacted with another person. And it's that like the the tension that he manages to create with himself in that moment is is great. But it does it does feel a little bit like it's very different from the first half of the sketch. But that it, it's that that bit is so strong that it it carries the day. Um, and yeah, the production value is great. What I really like about this is the the reason I included. Um, the, the breakdown about how he made it because you know I worked on a web series last year that was all shot in LA and they gave me the footage I had a second editor on it and we kind of cut it together and it was like cross-country working on something together and hopefully coming out of this pandemic and being in quarantine that we've learned how to create mobily you know and so like just because I'm in DC doesn't mean I only work with people in DC you should be working with people in other funny cities that are doing stuff and there are ways to do it. And I think this is a great example and a great improv product of someone collaborating with friends. You know, we, people in DC moved to LA all the time. You shouldn't, that shouldn't be the cutoff. That shouldn't be the end of it. Kelsey, who lives out in LA, you know, she, she pops up in a comedy public all the time and she's not even in, you know, she's been out there two years. And so like, just, you know, opening that door, and, and and collaborating, I think, should be something that people should not should take with them out of 2021. And we should see more of that moving forward. For this sketch, I love breaking the fourth wall. I think that really helped kind of like the wink at the camera, the kind of like, hey, this is what's going on. Like, remember no, this? No, you know? we're, we will agree to disagree about that one. Oh, uh, I love I, I love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I ate it up. Um, and his joking, when he starts ragging on himself, for me, that re- I was like completely sold once he started making like you look like Vin Diesel gave up. Like I yeah. love that line. <laughs> that was a great joke. Yeah, yeah. I think he did such a good job of uh, walking the tightrope of like serious stuff like George Floyd, and then like kind of goofy stuff like cereal and making fun of yourself for looking, you know, gaining weight and all that stuff. This I watched this sketch not in twenty twenty one. I watched it a couple days ago, 
and it still felt fresh. Um, even though it was, you know, stuff that happened like eight, nine, 10 months ago, which I think is a testament to how strong the script is. Next up, Mike. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, um, suggested this one. It was a, a video I found just scrolling through Twitter one day and it's, um, very funny comedian named Kim Quinlan, who is a comic reporter, former writer and actor in Chicago. I believe she was associated with Second City. Um, I don't know if she's still there. <laughs> but uh, she made this quick little sketch series of sketches called College Tour Guide, um, where she plays a like very awkward <laughs> college tour guide who um, is talking about the, you know, this the standard college tour format where you go to a different college campus and then a um you know 19 year old will tell you uh where the dorm is and what people's majors are and all the basic facts you would want to do but she really sells it she's so awkward uh <laughs> there's there's just so many like uncomfortable moments that are really funny um i love this sketch i'm glad she did three of them and i want to see three more Founded on February 1st, 1809. And that's the first of many dates that I've been on. Thank you for that question. Behind me, you'll see we have three fields for sports. And this is my favorite spot on campus. I think of it like the Garden of Eden, but secular. We don't use the term freshman here because it has a negative connotation. So here we say first year. It's pretty natural to me at this point to use an ascendance. For example, Last year, I was a first year. Now, I'm a sophomore. Seth, what's it out to you? Personally, the, the points with the, the story about her roommate and the throwaway joke, I named this tree Old Holly after my grandmother, Old, and then cut to something else. That's it. That's all we get on that. And I thought it was great. But the thing with the roommate where she's like, yeah, so first year, we use first year instead of freshman. And you know, it's 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 natural after using conversation like, hey, we're first years. We shouldn't take any of that. Well, I'm going to take and if you're going to take some of it, maybe we shouldn't be roommates. And she just like she really sells that moment that hurt that it was such a such a, a an emotional moment for that character that you you fully believe it. Uh, and it was actually just a really a good piece of acting as well as some good comedic timing. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely I wrote that down as my biggest laugh was the first year sketch, uh, yeah. like, you know, skit moment where she kind of plays it up and uses it in a sentence and mm -hmm. like the tears well up and then she yeah. immediately snaps out of it. It's just like, oh, my goodness. So strong of a character. The stance, the walk, the voice, the wardrobe. I mean, does the full got the full like 100 percent totally nailed it down. Um, I'm really glad. Thank you, Mike, for suggesting this. I, I I ate it up. Um, I'm going to put her information from TikTok on here as well. She does a couple other uh, character bits, but very, very strong. Solid, solid, solid sketch for sure. The one thing I really liked about this was, I mean, like the character is great, but it also had like a couple really good camera moments where it's like this like quick cut or quick zoom on like her polo tucked into her khaki pants, khaki shorts and just her like standing weird. And that was, that didn't, I mean, I think it takes a good cameraman to sort of like hone in on that little detail. And it was done like really quickly. Um, so the pacing was great too. Camera person. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
camera attendant. <laughs> camera <laughs> operator. Yeah. Please don't cancel me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. EK, you're up. Number six. All right, number six is Fully Skits Surprise House Renovation Show with a Twist. And I think with a twist is an understatement here. Uh, it's, it is twist after twist after twist. It is a group that is an animated... They ha- I think they have like a whole animated sketch comedy series full of random skits with just very random premises. They did all of the voices and illustrations, writing, everything else is from Benjamin Stern. Uh, this one in particular was a top five finalist for Battle of the Sketches. Well, you've seen the basement. I think it's time to check out the bedroom. Your master bedroom has gone from boring to really good. Oh, this is my bedroom. This is my bedroom. This is your bedroom, Janice. This is your bedroom, yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Jeff, what are you thinking? Uh, Can we talk about the man chained up downstairs? Oh, Mark, come on, Well, that was before, Jeffrey. We are in the bedroom now. What about the curtains, Jeffrey? What about the man chained up in the basement? See, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. I'm sorry. I can't deal with this. I'm going. Oh, Janice, no way. What stood out to you? The moment when it's revealed that there is, uh, we're, 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 everyone knows we're, we're giving out spoilers on this. I don't think it matters, but like, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> spoiler alert, there's a man in the basement. <laughs> um, so, you know, the whole, taking that whole home renovation show, the reveal, like they just like every single detail of that and kind of how people react in those moments is is so spot on. And then to have that moment where it's revealed that like, there's a man in the basement and uh, again, it's uh, you, you'd see a lot of sketches where they would just stop at that reveal and almost never address it. And it would just be that, wait a second, can we talk about the man in the basement for a second? And that would be the whole bit. But the fact that it keeps going and just gets more and more absurd and ends in this like whole, like almost alternative universe <laughs> situation where like the guy who's hosting this show can like convinces everyone that they're actually like different elements of home decor is just it takes it to a level that is so out there and so absurd that it's almost like i i don't even i don't know how they got there but it's brilliant it's brilliant uh mike bach why does this sketch deserve to be on this list i i think the i was a big fan of the animation here um it is you know creepy and a little unsettling but also they did a good job like it, it the um it pairs well with the tone um just you know like having a man tied up in your basement um is a little unsettling and creepy if you think about it in real life and it's great that the animation kind of matches that that little detail that it i was a fan of this um i love how absurd it was um why not put it on the list uh, well, Fully Skits, you know, it's a YouTube channel. They've got a bunch of stuff uh, you should check out. Um, they've been making stuff for a couple of years now. But yeah, the animations, it's simple and it's strong, but it fits the format, the show, and the wackiness of the characters. And so, like, it's very, like, you just raised a buy into. Um, for me, the biggest moments were the, the basement reveal, the creepy host was like the right tone of, like, is this guy evil? But he's, so entertaining at the same time, like you just buy whatever he's saying. 
I, my favorite line is the wife going, oh, look, a pool table. You're going to be down here so often. And she's just like completely ignoring what's going on. And yeah, it's she's ready to move on the pool from table. It. Yeah. It's so, it's so random. I was like dying when she said that. <laughs> so honestly, this, I think you could cut about a minute out of this. I'm not saying I didn't like the jokes. I'm just saying that the, some of it I like went on for a little bit too long. Now, I, I like the thing where they turn the guy in the basement into an argument between husband and wife about the husband being inflexible. I thought that was good. I thought it went on just a little bit too long. And by the ending, you know, I love the ending where everyone's a lamp. Uh, but but yeah, it, it, it just uh, something about the the beginning where the tour, the tour of the home felt like it was a little bit long for me. That argument felt like it was a little bit long. But once that happens and things start speeding up, I was I was more on board. Like, I love the fact that they have just barely convinced the husband that this guy handcuffed to a pipe in their basement is OK. And then the police show up and the guy starts making noise and the husband starts trying to cover for it. Yeah, was I. I thought that was a good bit. So like I said, a little lengthy, a little lengthy, but there was definitely some good stuff in here. Uh, it's the only, the only animation that um, I think even made the, the full list. Um, uh, actually, no, it's the second animation that made the full list of sketches that we were trying to cull down to the top 10, but it, it's really good, uh, really strong stuff. So check it out. We're moving on to the top five. Uh, number five. So I did ask the group if this counted as sketch comedy and there were discussions between it being kind of stand up or its own unique thing, or if it was sketch comedy. And the consensus was that it was close enough to sketch comedy that it counted. And I'm talking about Bo Burnham, white woman's Instagram from his Netflix hit show or hit special, uh, Bo Burnham Inside. So this is his whole thing is basically, it was a special written, directed film that edited and performed by him, uh, all recorded at a guest house at his Los Angeles home during the COVID-19 pandemic. Is this heaven? Or is it just a white woman? A white woman's Instagram. White woman. A white woman's Instagram. Instagram. It, it really was very popular for a lot of people. My coworkers were constantly referring to it or singing the Jeff Bezos song all the time. Um, so it kind of like as a cultural touch point was the it thing for a little bit. But the white woman's Instagram, I think, was the best thing to come out of it. And it was very simple, honest, and very accurate as fuck. And I would say it's a list, a list sketch song where he talks about the typical standard white woman's Instagram. And what makes it work for me is that it's a good song. Um, he clearly is talented and it has a beautiful chorus with bells, <laughs> but then he's acting out all these Instagram shots and like in character and posing the face, the hair, and he's nailing it. And those things all together, not only makes it like a beautiful thing to listen to, but a beautiful thing to watch as well. And it just cracked me up. And 
just to mention, uh, for honorable mention, Welcome to the Internet also was a popular voted on piece, but it wasn't as popular as this one, which is also very similar, great list sketch song. So if you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. It's on Netflix, but White Woman's Instagram was the it one for me. I'm actually a little surprised that it wasn't Welcome to the Internet because that shit was all over TikTok. It, 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 everybody was doing something with that. And it's also just because we're not talking about it, but just real quick, it's it's a it's a great, really darkly humorous look at what we use this thing for. But white woman's Instagram, as my wife said, I wasn't expecting it to hit, hit me that way. <laughs> and she, she was in the room when I was watching it and she was just like, oh, I oh, you know, well, but it's what I think what makes it like like it takes it to that whole other level is when he hits that kind of the uh, the bridge of the song i guess is or, or when he when he has the the narrative comp- part about like the mother and the relationship between the mother and the daughter it's like oh shit <laughs> that just got real and sort of heartbreaking for a moment but then i i mean he he is just so masterful in general i mean it's kind of his whole um, you know, or, or one of the primary objectives, I think, of a lot of his comedy is that critique of, of social media and in particular just nailing that like Insta, Insta repeat thing. That's my favorite account on Instagram um, is just like the sameness and the similarity in it. But but separate separate and apart from like the, the TikTok popularity of some of the other things, I think Isaiah's, Isaiah mentioned like the visual aspect of this is just it's so it's beautiful. Which is, I mean, which is why all of that imagery is sort of popular, right? Mm-hmm. And repeated. But the fact that he just nails it is is just a testament to, like, not only his creativity in that particular environment, but just his awareness of what that what that aesthetic is. Yeah. Well, and I, I love the fact that he's got pillows and stuff with, like, sayings that you would find on a, a the the typical white woman's Instagram that he's making fun of just like, I can't even remember him right now, but it's stuff like just believe in yourself and you'll find joy and like crap like that. I will say um, it seems like when this came out, like everyone I know saw this uh, special that Bo did. And um, I mean, everyone loved it, but I had a couple of interesting conversations about this song in particular, you know, mostly like, is he making fun of women? Is it like, okay, that he's telling these jokes? Um, you know, like he's mostly just naming things, but is it judgmental in a way that is, you know, acceptable in the, our current, you know, comedy climate? Mm-hmm. I don't have answers for this, but. Um... I do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, was he is this considered punching down? Uh, well. <sighs> no, no, no. Let's, let's be very clear. Let's be very clear. Like, like the whole, like, like even the joke, like white woman's Instagram, this is a very specific, like white woman that like, when we're talking about punching down, like the, the brand here, like the visualization is like, this, this is not, this is almost like, a, like the millennial Karen kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Not, I don't think anyone's punching down here. <laughs> yeah. It, it's really, it's making fun of this. It's not even a real person. It's a manufactured social yeah. media character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's making fun of a uh, an aesthetic that is created specifically to 
reinforce specific beliefs about oneself and uh, honestly looks like it's shutting out most of the actual realities of the world. Like this is this is the he's making fun of the Instagram of somebody who's read The Secret and believes it. Yeah, it's like and possibly thinks that Eat, Pray, Love is a manual for life. Sorry, EK. No, it's like if Xanax was a person like yeah. that's, that's what that brand is. it's not yeah and and then like and they're they're like male influencer equivalents of this too it just oh, yeah. like happens that like that that imagery it like specific to social media is so recognizable and instantly kind of like familiar very true very true you, you could do a second third maybe even fourth version of this picking on different social media stereotypes of that persona, the persona your people are trying to reflect, like like the like the couples that uh, that share an, an account where it's like the name is like the husband and wife's name together, and right. it's like all their pictures of how much in love they are. In reality, <laughs> you're like no one who's in love would take the time to build this. You know, like you can just spin off of that. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to work here. Great uh, point to bring up, Mike. Very good. Very good point. All right, so we're going to move up to number four. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live. So, um, like I said, this list was built and crafted. I, I had a lot of hands in on uh, to make this list. And if I had just let it be what everybody picked, it would be half of the list would be Saturday Night Live and half the list would be I think you should leave. And so we would be only be talking about really two kind of sketched avenues. I wanted to be wired to that, so I condensed it. So Saturday Live gets basically two sketches, and I think you leave get two sketches on this list. But Saturday Live's this is the uh, the first one we're going to talk about. It's from season forty seven, episode three. It's the Rami Malek and Young Thug episode. It is a mattress store. Um, a couple, uh, Rami Malek and Eddie Bryant, uh, can't stop getting distracted while sh- shopping for a new mattress. <laughs> you're jerking it? I'm backed up and it's pissing me off. Oh, wow. Wow, you're watching porn in our brand new sleepy town bed? Well, tell me the title. Tell me the title of the porn. Now, don't tell her, man. Hot lady gets adult detention. Oh, you're disgusting. Oh, yeah. We love love this one. For for me, it's the escalations, it's the it's the beats, it's the um, the the good lines. Uh, there's a couple going for mattress, going for a, it's a, a sketch. I would think you would see a lot of groups try a shopkeeper sketch in a sense, almost where a couple is trying out different mattresses and they're acting out scenarios from home on each mattress, and they the game escalates as you expect. But what really solidifies for me is this fourth beat, where it goes from like sexy time to a couple arguing, fighting about something to them having an invader break into their house and them having to protect themselves and use guns. And they pull guns out from underneath the cushions and just the overtopness of the entire sketch just carries it for me. And um, I wouldn't even say Rami's episode was the best episode uh, from season 47, but like that sketch and his performance and just the commitment to the bit just really sells it for me. And I, and I just, I, that was my biggest laugh of that episode. And I would think of all the sketches submitted. That one was like the bar for me when comparing other sketches, like, is it this funny? Is it mattress store funny? And I think that sketch too could also 
you could do on stage and do it live at a show and it also work. Uh, it was like just pure sketch comedy for me. Oh, I totally think that would work live on stage. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be, uh, that would actually, I think be really great to see that, but yeah, it was, I, I also like <laughs> the implication that this is a pretty involved fantasy because at the end when the husband gets shot and then AD Bryant still, they're going, my husband's dead, but I'm still so horny like that business. I'm like, oh, this is a very specific thing that you that you two like to do. Um, but yeah, the fact that they were checking out the beds to see how they could essentially fight on them or or stop intruders, and just pulling the guns from out under the pillows. And uh, who's the who's the name of the the actor that was the uh, the um, worker at the mat, uh, mattress store? Bone Yang. One more time. Bowen Yang. Bowen Yang. His just like, where did you get the gun? Like that was, ah, man, there were just a lot of good bits. Like, you know, Saturday Night Live goes through cycles and I feel like they're they're headed on the upswing again. Yeah, I would say this was one of their stronger seasons. Yeah, for sure. Um, just a lot of things clicking into place. Largest cast, I think, so far they've okay. ever had. Um, a lot of like the opening of the show is like an hour long, um, as they run through the credits of everybody on the show. Um, it's, it's pretty epic, but yeah, it's a lot of good hitters, a lot of good hitters this time around. Mike, what's not to you? Two things I really liked about this sketch were, um, just how like quickly they slip in and out of their fantasies where they're like yelling at each other or horny for each other, or we're about to, you know, <laughs> Uh, de- defend their home from invaders uh, and then they're like oh yeah it's good yeah this, this can work um, that was funny that like abruptness of that and um, also just uh, A.D. Bryant like she she just sold it her personality was like so big and it's like this she's got this like booming like theatrical stage presence that uh, it, I mean she could sell anything she's like um, I, I think she's like female Keenan Thompson and like Keenan Thompson like her work doesn't always get recognized for how good it is um, she, I mean, Rami Malek was good too, but like this sketch, I don't think would have worked without her doing her thing. And that was fun to watch. For her range, she's like my favorite cast, one of my favorite cast members. For her range and the tones that she hit, I was very surprised that her show, um, Shreel, doesn't go there. That she plays a very different, very normal person when I know what she can pull off. Uh, that always surprised me when I started watching that show. I was like, your, your range of wacky characters and voices and personalities you can absorb. Like, I feel like she should play like eight characters on that show. But that's like, not what the show is about. I, mean, I know it's not about, but like I the, went into that it. That show is pretty like, like beautiful and kind of devastating. It is, it is, but it wasn't the tone I was expecting to get from her when I went into watching it. I was expecting her wacky character size. It's like, it's like Kate McKinnon doing a show where she's just super tone and very, and you're like, this isn't, you know, what I would expect to to see. So I was very surprised by that. Yeah, she's great. She's great. Anything stand out to you about this, uh, EK? No, I I will say this sent me, the sketch sent me on this weird path where like I convinced myself for a minute that I had watched a sketch that I then couldn't find. And I was like, did I just make up something in my head? And then I had to dig a little deeper into the internet. And I realized that it it reminded me of this sketch show 
I think it's an Australian sketch show, like the gentleman's guide to guide to knife fighting. Mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar? Because there's yeah. there's a there's a series of sketches in that show where a couple is like looking like they're looking to buy a house or something, and their their way of figuring it out if it like works for their lifestyle is to go into a different room and like have a discussion like they would have as part of their marriage like in the kitchen it's just like like can you please do the dishes can you just put them away like you always have me do this like this is all you know and it's, it's this exact same setup but not quite like pushed out and as theatrical as in this sketch um, but no, that's, that show does exist. I found it. It's real. Oh, I did not make it up in my head. <laughs> Send it to me. I'd love to, to bring that sketch into the show sometime and talk about it. Okay. Um, I don't think we've talked about them before, but I, I've seen some of their, their sketches before. Good stuff. All right. Um, before we move on to uh, the number three on the list. Oh, wow. Moving, moving fast. I want to mention that there were the honor, one of the honorable mentions for Saturday Night Live uh, was the, the Goober the Clown on abortion, um, the Cecily Strong uh, thing she did for Weekend Update. Um, it's truth hitting, very hard hitting, very honest. Uh, I think it's, it's just that, that should just be up. one of those comedy sketches that just gets on a list of like best comedy yeah. sketches of all time. Like it Correct. doesn't, you don't even put a year on it. It's just like, oh God, that like that was devastating and so funny. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't just, know how to feel. <laughs> excellent. Like she's a powerhouse. And that was like the per example of like there's there there are only there's not many on that show. The women on that show are are the best. And that was a pure example of why they are the best. Like it's 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 insane. So so good. Uh on remission for that. All right, moving on to number three, uh, Seth. Uh, please don't destroy on Saturday Night Live. Hard Seltzer. Uh, please don't destroy made their SNL debut in October with a sketch called Hard Seltzer. Dropped the end of Kim Kardashian's episode in the show's famous 10 to 1 slot, the period near the end of each episode usually reserved for weird experimental sketches. On first watch, it's pretty jarring for viewers who don't know the group beforehand, set apart from the rest of the episode by a title reading a Please Don't Destroy video. The sketch features no established cast members and gives the viewer about four seconds of introduction before it dives into its main joke. Martin says he's going to have a hard seltzer. John asks what kind, and Mart responds with a straight-faced, just a JCPenney. Please Don't Destroy is a New York-based comedy trio consisting of Ben Marshall, John Higgins, and Martin Herlihy. Ben. ben in the house. Oh, Ben Man. Oh, you're drinking JCPs? You know it. You know about this? Got some seltzers myself. Jiffy Lube. Lube it up. <laughs> Cheers, man. Good to see you. What is going on? Come on, everyone's doing it. JCPenney, Jiffy Lube. Exxon, Verizon. Dr. Riccardi. Who? My dentist. That one's actually really gross. I don't understand why you like these. You don't have to understand everything, Yeah, John. like, we don't understand what you see in your girlfriend. What? But we, we don't get angry. As we Can I share a story here before we go too deep into this? Yes. All right. First of all, that Kim Kardashian episode of Saturday Night Live was incredible. Blew me, blew my mind. Second of all, I was down in Austin for Moon Tower and I had tickets to go see these guys. I was super excited. I was like, I really want to see what they do live. And the day I got down there was when they're like, they're they're not going to be performing anymore. And I was just, I was livid. I was livid. I was like, what the fuck happened? Had no clue. There was no context for what was going on. No information was provided. And then they show up with this sketch. And I'm like, 
those motherfuckers. I mean, I'm happy for them. Don't get me wrong. I love that they're on Saturday Night Live and like their stuff is like getting the attention it deserves. But I was just like, I really wanted to see you and I'm pissed. <laughs> but now they're on Saturday Night Live and I get to watch yeah. them all the time now. It's crushing it. Seth, thoughts? Oh my goodness, so many thoughts. Uh, once again, I love a good absurd premise and uh, we see an excellent example of heightening in this where stuff just starts getting weirder and weirder. Now, JC Penny having a hard seltzer, that's funny. But the fact that it's called men's jackets and it, it tastes a little like men's jackets. And sometimes if you drink the belt one, you find a belt buckle in your mouth. Uh, and then the, the, the third guy comes in and he's got, he's first of all, he's like, Oh, you're drinking a JCP. Like this is a, this is a thing, <laughs> right? Uh, all the cool kids on the street are calling it JCP. And then he's got a um, Jiffy Lube. Yeah, I believe he has a Jiffy Lube seltzer. And then the, the bit at the end where the last guy is like, what does this desk have a seltzer? And he opens the door and he pulls out a can that just says desk on it. Like the same way you'd see like a store brand, something where if you go into, you know, buy the Safeway beer, it just says beer. Yep. Um, and apparently did the, de- the desk seltzer taste pretty good. Yeah. I. I, I just really love the way that they play this. And also the fact that they spend a lot of time making fun of the guy who couldn't believe this. What was this is what was going on. I also enjoyed the fact that John, who I think was a guy who couldn't believe that everybody had this seltzer. It was such a thing for him like the, this. This fact that J.C. Penny had a hard seltzer threatened to destroy his worldview. Like that was the. That was the level of commitment he brought to this. He's, he just couldn't believe it and was, it seemed a little frightened by this development. Mike, uh, why does it deserve to be on the list? Yeah, um, you know, I probably wouldn't have chosen this one for the second SNL sketch. Um, the SNL sketch I liked this year the most was the one where Kieran Culkin was trying to cancel his cable. But I like this one. It, you know, it was, it was still like very solid. Um, you know, I feel like I've seen a bunch of sketches in the, the era of seltzer, um, that have been good in this one. Uh, I think it does a really good job of showcasing what please don't destroy is all about. We've touched on TikTok, I think in this conversation, definitely before recording, but, um, it does, a the style of this is like so many like quick cuts and like zooms and like just the pacing of it is, is, uh, is very appealing. Um, because the jokes, I mean, it's just like, bam, 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 bam. And, you know, it's like for a kind of a listy sketch, which is just like naming all the weird flavors of hard seltzer you can. I think it works pretty well. I thought the ending was a little, uh, it could have been stronger, but um, very likable. Um, these guys are picking up steam and, you know, they're, I think they're good uh, successors to Lonely Island and, yeah. you know, kind of making, bringing in younger audiences to SNL. So good. Yeah. I like the attitude. I mean, it definitely, if you were watching their TikTok stuff um, last year before they made it to SNL, if, you know, we were talking, we even talked about them in 2020, they were on the list for 2020. Um, that's the 2020 and their stuff is this, this is their stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. basically SNL just put their brand name on top of it and gave them a bigger platform, but they're just still doing uh, please don't destroy comedy. Uh, which is great. You know, it's the cuts, the tempo, it's the emotions, the sounds, it's the, the bro. Hey, we're friends and we have opinions about each other. And then we're kind of lofty, goofy dudes and it works. It, it works so well on it. It is, it helps 
break the, it helps add to the success of Saturday Night Live, I think in a really good way. And I think there was a good way to introduce, introduce them. And you're right, the Kim Kardashian episode is a very strong episode. It was very surprising to a lot of people that Kim would come on and do so well. And I, I the Jiffy Lube line is, is I think my favorite part because living in Northern, growing up in Northern Virginia, there's a Jiffy Lube outdoor venue. And I always thought that was a weird name for a venue for people to go see concerts at. So like, I don't know, the name Jiffy Lube is very funny to me because of that. And so when he comes in and says he's drinking Jiffy Lube seltzer, I I lost it at that point. But I love these guys and I hope them many future success. And I hope they make this jump to other forms of comedy they want to do and that Saturday Night Live is not the end of the road for them. Anything else before we move on? Oh, I would say this is the this is one that I would recommend to people just learning how to write sketch or like if, if you're just kind of dipping a toe into it, because it's a great example of like it's, it's a simple concept. It's very clean. The heightening is a great technical example of like how you're seeing like it get funnier and funnier because like even even as the joke gets more complex in some ways. Or like it's it's the heightening is finding a more bland and or an increasingly bland basic thing. So it's almost kind of at odds or like that that juxtaposition is what creates the comedy in it. And it's just it's just a really clean, like, you know, good teachable moment and like how to build a really simple, fast, like well-executed sketch. All right, Mike, you're going to close this out. Uh, so, I mean, I, you're going to close this out. Um, so everybody's aware, uh, I think you should leave. Took home all the awards, and we'll close this out. Uh, so, Mike, number two, you. Yeah, okay. So coming up, uh, at number two, we have, uh, I think you should leave. Tim Robinson, the sketch is Driver's Ed. So, I think you should leave. is American sketch comedy TV show on Netflix. Stars Tim Robinson, who co-created, wrote, and produced the show. Um, season two came out this year, and this one was, I mean, probably one of the strongest, if not the strongest sketches. It started as a um, a driver's ed sketch where a bunch of kids are in driver's ed, and Tim Robinson is the teacher, um, and he's having them watch training videos to sort of show them, like, what to do and what not to do on the road. <laughs> but the training videos are very strange. It is, it is a, a woman who is complaining about tables and how universal movie monsters um messed up her tables by getting mud on them and then she gets into a car accident and the kids are all confused and then tim robinson is just like immediately like ready to get combative (laughs) he's like screaming at the kids for not getting and asking them too many questions i don't want any questions about tables is one of the lines that uh that keeps popping up this i love this sketch it's so absurd. It's so delightful. Now, everybody in here knows or has heard about the dangers of driving while inebriated. But some of the things people do every single day can be just as dangerous. Now, I'm going to show you a video of a woman who got so wrapped up with her problem at work that she puts herself and others in danger. Now, these videos are a little old. They look a little dated. I don't want to hear any jokes about them. And uh, don't let the style distract you. And I don't want any questions about the tables. EK, you're laughing. What stood out to you? Uh, I just, I love, I, I love what, uh, one, one of the most masterful things 
about this sketch to me is how efficient, efficiently we get a ton of information communicated just in his first few lines. Like, I don't want any questions about the tables, which immediately means that they have been using these videos for a long time. They know that at the core, there is this massive issue. They're totally ineffective. It creates the same problem every single time to the point where he like prefaces showing these videos with this statement and is really angry about it. And that to me is just, like that in and of itself is a great joke. And it just, it sets that foundation of just this, the sheer silliness and the, deli- I, th- I think it's like the deliberately bad acting in these videos where she's like, these tables are so dirty. <laughs> and it's one of the rare times in a sketch where like one of, one of my least favorite characters in the sketch is the person who's like, why is this happening? What's going on? Because so oftentimes you don't actually need that character. But in this particular sketch, the student who is actually like, why, what does she do? <laughs> like that, it feels very appropriate and necessary here. And we immediately like, it, like I get why that person is there. I, I, I the jokes they make, like the, the purpose of them is very clear and then even that resolution at the end when you see the relief of like that's why like <laughs> like you're going on that journey with them and it just it's this i just love this one it's so silly the logic is sound at the end of it i think that's yeah. what really nails it it's like oh yeah that makes because you're lost and confused with them the entire time yep. and then when it, you get the answer you're like oh yeah i guess yeah that totally makes sense but it's just it just leaves you wondering like no, yeah. What is her job? It's a generic job. The writers gave her a generic job. It's tables. And you're just like, <laughs> what tables? Uh, Patty Harrison plays the lady and the, uh, with the job of driving the car. And she is hilarious. Yeah. Um, she's been in a couple more of his episodes. And um, she's on Z-Way. She was on Z-Way show. I don't know if she's in more things or where she's at, but I... Everything I've, I've seen her in, I've loved her in. And so if you're out there, Hollywood, um, give Patty more things to do. Uh, she's really, really great. Strong comedy actor right there. Seconded. Yeah, I, I, she really sold it as a, a a woman, a bad actress in a safety video. Like, right. And just the, even, even to the, like, if you've ever seen these videos, the people who are doing them are always doing exaggerated versions of what it is you're not supposed to do. And the fact that she's, frantically trying to clean her tables while she is driving and yelling about Freddy Krueger yelled at me. I thought he was. That's one of the other things. It's great. It's not just the tables. It's the fact that they name check Fred, Eddie Munster, Freddy Krueger and the Crypt Keeper before she reveals what's going on. And it's also hilarious that all of these problems could have been solved if they'd shown the last video first. Right. Right. Everybody's just, questions are answered. Or just not given her such a ridiculous backstory. Tables! <laughs> I, love, I love the, oh! Yeah. <laughs> oh, every time she's going to crash and she has her hands up like a good five seconds before they cut out the, they cut out of the video. Yeah, it's. I like the kids' reactions to it too, where they're like, this doesn't make sense. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> uh, like it, like they're asking like perfectly you know legitimate questions and he's just not having it at all at all his, uh, 
the sketches where I would love to see like or or hear you know like a behind the scenes kind of thing like how did this sketch come about like what what idea came first and like how did those concepts get stitched together (laughs) it it would just be like from a procedural standpoint like a writing process I'd, I'd love to hear learn more about it Before we jump to the last sketch um, that EK is going to introduce, just want to mention uh, two honorable mentions for the show that I could have made the list, but we removed them because we limited these the amount of submissions. Uh, Tammy Craps, uh, which is a great twist on a kid commercial sketch. Uh, I really love that. That's probably was my that and the uh, the taco one are probably my uh, giant taco are probably my favorite. And the prank show of the Carl Havoc. Um, it's it's so sad and people love it. Everyone kept bringing that one up. Very very just excellent season two uh, i think you should leave excellent 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 you can binge it in the afternoon watch it totally worth it on netflix all right ek let's close this out with this one all right closing it out with another tim robinson sketch with corn cob tv coffin flop uh coffin flop is uh is exactly what it sounds like actually it's just hours and hours of footage of uh what what we are told are real people some naked some clothes just falling out of coffins at funerals i'm having it's hard to even describe what this is without laughing to get through it because it's just such a ridiculous concept um there's there's really no explanation for how we got this programming or why it exists. There doesn't really need to be. Um, That's the beauty of it. It's vulgar. It's hilarious. It's in really bad taste. But at the same time, honestly, if this programming existed, there would be a part of me that would occasionally go to Corncob TV and maybe watch it. I'm sorry. I had a hard time even talking about this sketch. I never should have done the intro for it. They're saying they want to drop Corn Cob TV because we showed over 400 naked dead bodies on our show Coffin Flop. If you love Corn Cob TV shows, it's time to tell Spectrum no. They're saying Coffin Flop's not a show. It's just hours and hours of footage of real people falling out of coffins at funerals. There's no explanation, just body after body busting out of shit wooden hitting pavement. I did some some background reading on this and uh, like production wise, this is apparently like really difficult because I mean, they only had like 25 coffins that people could flop out of. So like arranging oh all that God. and then like filming it from like three different angles. So you got together like almost a hundred people flopping out of coffins in like 90 seconds. It, a marvel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's the thing is that they, they set up different. It's not like it's the same uh, cemetery like they went to different locations to have people flop out of coffin like this production must have been insane yeah. so good so good very dark it's yeah. relentless um the name of the show is great it just drives it home over and over again a repetition the pandemic it's dark it's a dark story uh we're in a dark time in american history and <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> I don't even think you need to couch it in terms of the darkness of the pandemic. This is like, this transcends any kind of, it's just like, just his aggressive defense of this show. I didn't rig shit. <laughs> like, people, people are just putting coffins. Sometimes they're wearing clothes. Sometimes 
<laughs> like they're telling me it's ridiculous that these people are naked. I just, just the, 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 the defense of what is obviously a staged, terrible show about yeah. people falling out of coffins. There's no way this many coffins could just one uh, five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, and I love the fact that it's corn cob TV. And later yeah. he brings that around with, I'm a dumb hick. That's what they told me over dinner. Like, <laughs> I, I will, again, like the technical aspects here that I, I think are just like the real teachable moments are just like that, you know, the, the, the rule of thumb in comedy, right, is always like the more specificity breeds humor. And this one, like the weird little details that he's choosing to defend, and like even the statistic one in five coffins, like flopping out, like bodies flopping out. And then the thing about going to dinner, where it's like there, it's very specific little things. Um, but then with no additional context or no additional detail or explanation beyond that. But the, but it just gives you these hooks into like making it that much more real and personal for this man. And it's just like, you're insane, dude. But I also would maybe watch the show because <laughs> I'm a sick person, but that's fine too. Any show you can watch someone jump over a naked rolling body. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Whoever they are, I assume they got stunt people. Yeah. Somebody like fell out of a coffin onto stairs, and so many of them just started rolling down hills immediately. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I got a question for you guys. Like America's funniest home coffin flops. Like it's it's amazing. It's, it's an amazing concept. An amazing. Con- I I guess I I interpreted this as like um because this was kind of in the same vein of like Quibi type stuff, but they were trying to find like almost like micro content and micro programming like that. Um, that's that's what I thought it was more kind of a, the genesis of it, but. But yeah. Oh my God. I hadn't even thought about, yeah. Yeah. Question Mike. Well, a big thing for me with, I think you should leave is, um, you know, my experience watching the show, like the first time these sketches don't always land. And then you watch them like a second and a third time and it just gets funnier with this sketch. I, the first time I saw it, I was just kind of confused by it, but, um, I watched it like 10 more times since, and it just keeps growing on me. Um, do you, do you guys find that's the case with, with this show? Yeah. 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 Most definitely. Okay. Especially the second season. I think my issue with the first season is that too many of the sketches didn't end or have a button. They would just go right to the next sketch. And I think for season two, more of them had something tied them up at the end a little bit more. They tried to tie them up a little bit more. And that just kind of helped, helped me get closure with each sketch. But for this one in particular, when I watch it again, it, it still, the first fall gets me every time. It's so unexpected and it's so hard. It's so loud. Uh, <laughs> the sound editing the sound. <laughs> of the sketch cannot be understated. It's insane. It sounds like a shipwreck happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, part of that too might just be that like, you know, like t- like the, I found this show to be pretty polarizing with people. Like either they, they don't get it at all. They really don't like it or they're obsessed and I mean, that's, I mean, that's just some comedians in general. Um, but the, the season two point is a good one. And part of that for me was just like, I understood what I was going into with season two and was maybe 
like willing, like embracing that I knew that it was going to be weird and over the top. And I was a little more mentally prepared for what, what his, what it would be. Hey, I'm AJ Schrader, and I believe everyone has a story worth telling, and also that I should potentially profit off of their stories. That's why I started the podcast, I Wrote You a Pilot, where each episode I talk to a not-yet-famous person about their television interest, and then make them read a television pilot I hastily wrote for them with the hopes of catching the eyes of the president of television. It's available on most major podcast platforms, or you can find out more directly at iwroteyouapilot.podbean.com. All right, we're not going to do any ratings tonight for the final thoughts because there's 10 sketches. Uh, but did we, did we miss anything? Should something be on the list that isn't on the list? Any, uh, any, any thoughts or opinions about what we got here? What Real if quick? we rated the list? Hmm? What if we rated the list? Rated the list? Yeah. I mean, sure, why not? I feel okay. like Isaiah's disclaimed the list so aggressively. It was like, look, we had, there, were, there were suggestions were made some people, but not all people voted on them. You have one that's probably better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, a list of the 10 best sketches is largely going to be subjective anyway. And I, I'm not sure that at this point anybody can watch all of the sketch comedy that's available to them no. unless that is their full time job. Yeah, it took, well. it, took me, yeah. it took me a while. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so um, I. I Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a scale by which you'd like to rate the list? Like annually? Oh, geez. Um, let's see. Uh, let's speak. We give uh, out of 10 out of 10 um, booster shots. Oh, okay. <laughs> booster shots. Who wants to go first? Rate it. Isaiah. Oh, Mike's, Mike's going to start. Okay. Mike's going to start. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. How many booster shots would you give this top 10 list of best of 21 sketches? Personally, I would give this probably eight out of 10 booster shots. You know, I think I, I saw the 2020 uh, version of this list and I liked a lot of those sketches. These, um, you know, a lot of them really did it for me. A few of them, I thought pound for pound were maybe a little weaker than, you know, maybe we might have seen in 2018, 2019. But uh, these are all, you know, very good. It's you know hard to fault any of them, really. But um I, uh, someone else go, please. <laughs> yeah, your turn. Um, I, I, I will give it, um, I will give it one, one Moderna booster and, uh, and two Pfizer boosters for a total of three boosters. Um, so we're, we should have coverage for about a year based on the most recent science. Um, no, I, you know, I, as, as much as I appreciate like an effort to do a top 10 list, you know, for me, it always kind of begs the question is like with all the different platforms for delivery now and TikTok in particular being such a driving force as far as like how comedy is being presented, edited, structured, like paced, you know, it's, I don't know. There are just so many voices out there and so much creativity and great concepts and great execution that it's, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's, and that's a bullshit answer is like, I don't know that you can even narrow it down to a top 10. Um, but I think there were just some real shining moments in comedy, like the, the Cecily strong thing in particular that just, you know, do kind of like even just transcend some, some discussion like this and kind of go in some bigger pantheon of, 
of commentary at the moment. Seth? Well, I'm going to give it one booster shot because for now, that's all we need. <laughs> for now. Later, more comedy. Uh, you know, sort of to EK's point, like, I, I know this is virtually impossible, but we might want to consider, like, if we do this again, like maybe throwing a TikTok video or two on here. Because I was I was thinking there's this one that's just this woman doing like pretending to be a character in a 50s movie doing that mid-Atlantic thing where she just starts off. How do you do? My name's Betty Sue or Violet. And she just keeps going on with like it, it's just like a minute of her doing this. And it's fucking hilarious. But. For traditional sketches. I like these. These are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I would give uh, this list uh, a Johnson Johnson booster shot. Followed by <laughs> real, a shot of real tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Fun kind of shot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I had to watch them. to make the list. I had to watch everything um, and then trim that list down and then make a list for people to vote on. So I, I saw, I watched Michael Shea show and a whole bunch of other stuff. And there's, there was a lot that was made. And I was surprised that none of the TikTok stuff really got voted on. And that might be so much of the TikTok stuff is character based. It's one person doing something. So that character may speak to these handful of individuals. And though it's very funny, it does not speak to all these individuals. And since TikTok is for you page, very, very aggressive and getting you what you're only interested in. I'm sure we missed stuff that was really good. I might even you know, write a, here's, a, here, here's all the TikTok suggestions that were given, but they didn't get votes just so people could see what's out there. And I do think that is a very strong platform. Uh, American Baron, for example, his stuff, I really, really love. And I wish the stuff made the list, but yeah. it may only speak to me and not everybody else, but I oh, think no, his no. content's very, very good. He's um, great. So it's a, it's, a, it's a mixed bag, but I, I will say for one thing, Michael Shea, if you're going to do another one of your shows, put your sketches on YouTube. Why is nothing on YouTube? That makes no sense to me. You, you, you literally are a head writer for Saturday Night Live and you have a sketch show and none of your sketches are on YouTube. That makes no sense. Just, just do it, man. Get with uh, the program. Get with the program. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. So it should, people should be able to see it. Um, and if, you, uh, if you're not putting it out there, like, what, like why, why make the show? Uh, but thank you, everyone, for coming on the show. I uh, really, really appreciate it. I think... This is a lot of fun. I hope we do it again next year. Um, and um, if you have other sketches that you think should be on here, uh, please email us, uh, text message us. Um, Mike's DMs again are open for dick pics. So do not <laughs> hesitate. Uh, Mike, how, how will these people find you uh, uh, online? Uh, my most active platform is Instagram. And I think it's uh, my handle is BachMJ. Um, so hit me up on there. Um, love to connect. Um, dick pics or not you can send me you know just um, nice little messages that I like to read awesome well thank you so much for joining us man really appreciate it alright listeners uh, please like share and subscribe and if you have a sketch you're interested in us breaking down send it to us we'd love to do that you can find out more about sketch nerds and bad medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com backslash sketch nerds where you can also find links to uh, the sketches that we discussed today uh, you can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. We're literally everywhere. I'm paying for this. We're paying for this. So, so please subscribe. <laughs> for our for our guest, Mike Bach, 
Um, I'm Isaiah, and thank you for our co-host, Seth and EK. Um, you've been listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.